Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it was 12 years ago this past week that I was ordained in my hometown of Vermilion, Ohio. And uh, some of you, the Rouches, uh, came out. They made the trek out that way for that ordination, as well as the Rileys, uh, on that blustery January morning. This was after eight years of studying at college and seminary and years of service at camps and trying to figure out this call to ministry. And so 12 years ago, the call came from you all. Here, you, the body of Christ in this place, calling me and, and Rachel to serve among and with you. And so on Ash Wednesday, a few weeks later, uh, a beginning of the season of Lent, a season of journeying and traveling. Uh, we uh, loaded up all of our possessions into a U-Haul and drove through Chicago in a blizzard to get to Wisconsin. <laughs> Welcome, right? <laughs> we pastors and deacons of the church in our training, we are encouraged and sometimes required to reflect on our sense of call, to tell our call story over and over again how Jesus has called us into this ministry. But wherever we go, or wherever we don't go, we are all called. Because Jesus' call isn't just for the religious elite. It comes first, as we hear in the story today, to those who are busy living their lives and going about their work. I wonder if you know that you have been called. Because you have. Every call story, every call story begins with leaving something behind. Even Jesus' ministry, even his own call story, here, we, this morning, we hear of John the Baptist has been arrested and will eventually be executed for his proclamation of the kingdom of heaven come near. And Jesus knows that he it can't stay where he is any longer, and so he leaves. He leaves his hometown of Nazareth and goes up north to a region called Galilee. And there, along the Sea of Galilee, he calls uh, the disciples follow him and become fishers of people. And the first act of discipleship of those disciples is what? To leave their nets behind. To leave the boat. To leave even their father. And to follow Jesus. And throughout the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, time and time again, you'll hear discipleship and leaving something being tied together. And it's all the same Greek word. It's like the, the parable of the shepherd and the, and the sheep. The shepherd leaves the 99 sheep behind because he's been called to search for the one. Or the disciples were told that to be Jesus' disciples, they must leave their homes, their families, and find new family and new community. And even that act of forgiveness, which is one of the central acts of Christian community, 
is rooted in that word of leaving. To forgive is to release. It's to let go of something. It's to leave something behind. Sometimes we're called to leave behind those nets that we're tangled up in. Jesus, at the end of his life, will be left behind by the disciples on the night of his arrest. And by himself, he'll go the way of the cross. And there, will release, or abandon, or leave behind his spirit. Truly, Jesus' own life is full of loss, but it is filled with life. And so the first part of our call stories, they begin with leaving something behind. And leaving these things behind and trusting in the call, that can feel a bit shaky. Make us feel a little uncertain and anxious. Sometimes it's an act of reaching out in love and offering forgiveness and showing, showing vulnerability in our relationships. And sometimes it's disrupt those settled patterns that we find ourselves in that we just can't seem to let go. Sometimes it's to actively provoke that which feels so stable. Being on shaky ground is not a fun place. It's not a happy place necessarily. It, we, we much prefer to stay on the boat because we've learned how to manage these waves but we must leave behind all those things that we put our trust in. The, metric, the metrics that gauge our success and that direct our lives. In the waters of baptism, we are released from all those things that hold us back, that hold us in bondage to sin, to death, to the forces that defy God in this world. We are set free and released into grace. It's kind of like stepping off of a cruise ship. Have you ever been on a cruise ship or a boat for an extended period of time? And you, you, you've learned how to, how to navigate the feel of the boat and it's swaying. And that feels normal and right and steady for you. And then as soon as you walk off and get onto the dry land, you have to learn how to walk again. It feels weird. It feels as if the earth is moving. And sometimes that's what this call of discipleship feels like. A call from that which is stable, but really isn't. Onto the dry land, which we have to adapt and find new legs for. And this comes where you feel the kingdom of heaven coming near, as Jesus proclaims, and it shakes the ground you walk on, agitating your mind and stirring your heart to see the world anew with God eyes. Here, in these places of your life, Jesus calls you to follow with your whole life, to leave the things you're working, 
to pursue God's reign revealed to us in Jesus. Like the disciples, leaving those nets full of fish, leaving that which is profitable and good and working, or leaving behind those nets that still need to be mended, the projects that still need to be completed, finding new priorities, receiving a new identity that's rooted in the old. I mean, Jesus called the fishermen on that shore to follow him, and he would make them what? Into fishers of people, not into Roman forces, not into religious authorities, but to use their own identity for the sake of proclaiming God's reign in the world. Writer Debbie Thomas puts it this way. Jesus did not invite them to abandon who they were. He invited them to become their most authentic, God-ordained selves. He invited them to live into the fullness of the Imago Dei, the image of God they were born with. So I wonder, where is God calling you with your gifts, with your unique identity? to release something, to let something go, to leave something behind and find a renewed life. I am certain that Jesus is calling you, calling you to come and be refreshed in these waters. Come and be fed with bread for the journey. Come and be Nourish and have your courage fortified with the wine that is the blood of Christ. Christ has already called you, called you by name and named you beloved, poured out numerous gifts upon you by the power of the Spirit, and filled this congregation with love, that in word and deed we might together proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is drawn near that we might feel the kingdom shaking the ground beneath our feet. In seminary, one of the questions they teach you to ask congregations when you're in the call process is, if this congregation ceased to exist, would anyone notice? If this congregation ceased to exist, would anyone notice? And I consider how you, by the urging of the Spirit, have followed the call of Christ over the last four decades. The resounding answer must be yes. Yes, many would notice. Our hungry neighbors would notice. The families of 4K students would notice. Those who have been drawn to a community rooted in love rather than judgment would notice. Those who have been consoled and comforted in their grief would notice. Those who have learned the faith and shared their gifts and found leadership and skills they never knew possible would notice. In this call to get up and go is God's promise that I will make you. That Jesus will make us anew 
transforming us, all of us, us as a whole, into what we need to be. And I wonder if the call of Jesus is not so much a call of moving fish from the water out of it, but immersing the fish, immersing one another in the waters of God's grace, that we, who have been transformed by grace, might find ourselves in it. I was visiting with the Emily Circle, one of our prayer and Bible study groups earlier this week, and they told me this parable. Once upon a time, there was a fish. And little fish wondered, where is water? And so little fish swam to the depths of the ocean, to the ocean floor, and still couldn't find the water. So little fish said, well, it's, water's not down here. I'm going to go up. And so little fish swam all the way up to the, the surface of this ocean. Poked its little head out. No water up here. Little fish got discouraged. Little fish decided to go to wise old fish. He said, wise old fish, I've been looking for water. I've been to the ocean deeps. I've been to the ocean surface. But I have not find, found the water. And of course, wise old fish said, water is all around you. It is the way that we move and breathe and have our being. And so it is with us, with God's grace, and God's call, and the kingdom of heaven drawn near. And so swimming in grace, we are inspired to more deeply be who God intends us to be. And now some days, some days I am like little fish, frantically swimming and looking for grace. And occasionally, on a good day, I'm like wise old fish, deeply aware that the grace and the love of God that I long for surrounds me like an ocean. The kingdom of heaven has drawn near, friends. And it doesn't come near to entail destruction renewal. Not death, but life. The kingdom of heaven drawn near. It shakes the powers and principalities of this world that they might abandon their grip. It shakes open the tombs that the dead might come to life. It shakes those who slumber awake that we might again see and hear Jesus' call for our lives. Jesus' invitation to live in the light of God's joyous good news. Follow me, Jesus says, into the unknown and into the unexpected. Follow me, Jesus says, into a life immersed in grace. Follow me. Amen.